0: Hello, my name is Julia Streets, and welcome to Diversity Podcast, talking about equality, inclusion, and diversity in financial services. On the podcast, we seek to shine a light on positive progress, call out areas requiring further focus, and offer lots of ideas to help drive change. And before we get started today, I just wanted to take a moment to thank our friends at City AM for their continued support of Diversity Podcast, publishing and promoting both our episodes and our supporting blog series so their readers can stay on top of the very latest D&I debate. You may want to check out City AM's own podcast called The City View for all the latest news and opinion for the city because we at Diversity Podcast are huge fans. Today I'm joined by Yvonne Thompson, CBE, and Vanessa Vellelli, OBE. Yvonne Thompson is an entrepreneur, campaigner, activist with more than 37 years of experience in communications, marketing and PR. She's advised public and private sector organisations and is renowned for her work championing equality, diversity and inclusion in the workplace. She has published her first leadership book, Seven Traits of Highly Successful Women on Boards, and indeed sits on several boards and public appointment committees herself. These include the most recent appointment as chair of the Radio Academy that represents the UK's radio industry and the Parker Review Committee, which advocates for more minorities on FTSE boards. During lockdown, Yvonne has hosted a weekly lunchtime discussion called Wind Trade Global, interviewing women from right the way across the industry, thinking about how they can keep their passion for business alive. Yvonne, it's wonderful to have you on the show, welcome. Thank you, thank you for inviting me, I'm excited. Vanessa Villelli-OBE is an international motivational speaker and managing director of We Are The City. She's one of the UK's most prominent figures in gender equality and advises government and corporate organisations seeking to attract, develop and retain their female talent. In 2018 she was awarded her OBE for services to women and the economy because at the height of her successful 25-year career in financial services she launched the award-winning WeAreTheCity.com, a vehicle to help women progress in their careers. She now has more than 120,000 members and provides resources, conferences, awards and jobs to women across the UK. Vanessa is also the founder of a UK-wide diversity forum called Gender Networks that brings together diversity leaders from 85 cross-sector organisations all to share best practice and they meet on a quarterly basis to consider change in the industry. She's also the author of her book, Heels of Steel, Surviving and Thriving in the Corporate World, that tracks her career and shares 13 chapters of tips to succeed in the workplace. She was on our second ever show. Vanessa, it's wonderful to see you. Welcome back.
1: I'm honoured. Thank you very much.
0: Pleasure. And I'm really looking forward to this discussion. So I want to start off with, which I ask all our guests, is you know here we are, 2021, what are you particularly focused on right now? Yvonne, let me come to you first.
2: So my focus for 2021 is really about keeping my network engaged, keeping all the members coming back, talking, being there, and just helping them to progress. You know, the whole COVID and lockdown thing has become a bit of a serial you know, nightmare in so many ways for so many people. And it's just important for members to have somewhere to go to, somewhere with a bit of sanity, a group that they know can help them to support them, to be cheerleaders, whatever it is they need. So that's going to be my focus throughout 2021. And, you know, staying healthy, basically.
0: Absolutely. And it's wonderful to have you on the show, actually, because one of the things we've been thinking about is some of the assumptions that perhaps get made about what employees need. So very keen to hear the kind of the voice of your your networks and and, and what people are thinking about right now as well. Before we do that, Vanessa, you're never idle. So what are you focused on
1: this year? So for this year, my focus really is on recovery and build back better for gender equality. So, for example, in, in 2020, obviously, with the COVID lockdown, Women were massively affected, you know. The women that lost their jobs in lower paid lower paid positions. We had the impacts on childcare, homeschooling. So, a lot of that will have a knock on effect into other years. So, for me, it's looking at that recovery plan and making sure that firms are taking notice on what needs to be done, you know, to make sure that we don't fall back. The pathway to achieving gender parity from the World Economic Forum is always set at 100 years. I'm fearful as to how that's gone up, even in the last kind of six months of 2020. And it's going to be really interesting.
0: We're going to be paying a lot of attention to the data that's coming out to see to what degree the the industry shifted. I'm a bit concerned, if I'm honest, which is about talking to a number of different corporates as they're making their plans for 2021, particularly as they were reflecting on the end of 2020 as well. And I wonder whether we are at risk of making some lazy assumptions. So really what I'd love to get into in this episode is, you know, are we at risk of adopting old attitudes to working models? And if there is any advice to give organisations, leaders, looking at it through an entrepreneurial lens, um, Yvonne, very keen to come to you first of all with, with your thoughts about, you know, are we at risk of old models, new times? To be quite
2: honest, I don't think there is going back to old. I don't see how you can go back to old. Everything is so forward thinking now everybody 's had to pivot forward. I mean during the lockdown, I think the saying Necessity is the mother of all creation really applies certainly from a, an entrepreneurial point of view, and I think corporates need to think about how their employees can become entrepreneurs because with everybody i mean we've you know i 've had a few talks with organizations such as Facebook as Google. Deloitte a lot of corporates and they're all talking about not being able to go back to what we might call the new norm for you know 18 months to 2 years you know as soon as one thing happens within 6 months there's something else new that you need to move on to so for me there really isn't any going back people can be lazy in their thinking and those that are lazy in their thinking will not be the ones that are going to be at the forefront of change. And we need, everybody needs to be at that vanguard of change. Because if you're not at the vanguard of change, you are moving backwards. You've got to keep moving forward. Otherwise, you just go back. And there's so much happening in the world. And it's all happening at such a fast pace that we've just got to keep on top of it. So I don't see how there can be lazy thinking and they better not be otherwise they won't be around for long
0: and Vanessa I mean and you're involved with so many networks of networks and I sort of wonder are we at risk of organizations making assumptions about how employees are faring and uh, you know what advice again when you're talking to leaders and heads of DNI and and also business leaders is you know what, what advice are you giving them
1: to go back to the point that was made a moment ago I don't think we can ever compare the way life was in terms of what the future looks like. I think we're starting almost from a blank slate with some really strong positives that came out of COVID. You know, the fact that, you know, people were able to work from home, that almost happened immediately. All of the things that we said could never happen. For example, back in my banking days, if I would have uh, suggested a trading floor being at home, you know, I would have been met, well, actually, they would have marched me out the building. But, you know, it would have be been the regulation side of things. You know, it can't be done. So there's a lot of things that we've done during kind of the last part of 2020 that I think they're the focus areas for 2021. So when I'm talking with leaders, there is a much bigger shift to people's mental health. I think there's a much greater focus on leading with empathy. So one of the things that I've seen, obviously, we see a multitude of events at We Are The City, at Gender Networks. So we get insights to what external networks are doing but also what internal networks are doing and even the shift in terms of what they're talking to their people about has been much more around you know anxiety mental health you know how do we kind of balance it all rather than here's business business skills and we're just going to push them at you so I think there's been a huge shift I think firms need to don't let's not lose that as we kind of you know as buildings open back up and we get back to whatever that new normal looks like what we can't afford to do is say well that stuff was great when we needed it during lockdown but let's try and go back to presenteeism to you know all of the kind of all of the the bad stuff really that was culturally wrong um about the world that we used to live in so that's my kind of advice let's be open minded let's look at what's gone on in the past year and see where we can pull some of the good bits out of that and build that into our cultures you know we know productivity works with people working from home we know that people are still making connections yes we miss that face-to-face let's touch and you know and, and and be in a physical space with other people but that's not stopped a lot of businesses still continuing to thrive obviously our issue is now in the entrepreneurial space which Yvonne will talk to around people losing their jobs so how do we kind of morph and change and share experiences so that we all have this level playing field well, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think that there are some risks of
0: bringing back corporate structures we were just talking about that, that applied in historical times and, and not, don't necessarily apply now. And thinking about who's advantaged and who's disadvantaged. So if we return to a world of presentism, that would disadvantage many. As I'm out talking to many, many different people, I'm sort of always thinking about who are we most at risk of uh, alienating, ignoring, or at worst, discriminating against. Yvonne, I'd love love your views on that.
2: Again, through the talks that we've been having, through Wintrade Global talks that we've been carrying on since the COVID hit, we're finding more and more that it is the minority, it is minority workers or traders who are on the, you know, at the front of on the front line of dealing with customers on a daily basis who are now either affected directly. I mean, when COVID hit last year, we had the Minister for Business come online talking about um, specifically encouraging minority entrepreneurs uh, to pick up the bounce back loans that were available, the grants that were available, any and everything that the government was offering at the time was not being taken up by minority owned businesses. And that was for so many different reasons. Either they didn't think they were entitled to it. They didn't think they would get it. They didn't think the banks or they thought the banks would discriminate against them. And for me, that also applies. The next step down to that is for women owned businesses, because we are still in that frame of mind. And I hate talking about imposter syndrome because I I don't know how many of us realized we had or thought we had imposter syndrome until that whole phrase came about. And then all of a sudden we all had it. So, or we all believed that we had it. But um, I think it goes a long way for um women entrepreneurs in general as well as minorities it's just it's just a two tier society in so many ways so i think there's a lot of work that still needs to be done last march i was just before in fact i think it was the week before covid the lockdown came i was in norway speaking at the she conference and there were like 3000 women there and my presentation was about the gig economy it was about agile working it was about thinking about working from home and being diverse in the way in which you um you go about your business and for a moment i thought to myself am i really saying and presenting the right thing the next week it was exactly the information that these people needed because all of a sudden Everybody was in that situation, needed to work from home, needed to learn how to survive, needed to learn to build their resilience, their emotional intelligence. And there have been a few who haven't made it through, you know. So all of that discipline that I talked about at the SHE conference was exactly what was needed. And I think it's going to be needed for a long while, because just as we think we're coming out of it, there goes another lockdown.
0: That's the thing the world is being sort of turned on its axes, sort of around us all of the time. And, and I think your point about resiliency is really interesting because certainly that's probably one of the biggest themes that came out of all our interviews in 2020 was the need for resilience. So that's also where diversity comes in. Because if you have actually diverse workforce, it, it could bolster you for a resilient workforce attitude and also organization as well. But let, let, let's pick up on this question about entrepreneurship. I'm quite taken by your remarks earlier, Yvonne, about that if there are minority groups who don't think they were entitled to grants and funding, and I wonder whether when we think about social inclusion in uh, entrepreneurship, there's what what do we need to change in order to uh, encourage greater ethnic minority entrepreneurship, and and what role, therefore, given this is diversity podcast, can financial services play to help?
2: Yeah, I think my story is a typical root into entrepreneurship. I had what I call one job. And my one job was at CBS Records nearly 40 years ago. So I was there for seven and a half years. And throughout that time in the music industry, not only was it sexist, but it was incredibly racist as well. And I felt that, not I felt, I knew that every time I applied for a job, which I might have subbed for or held whilst the the you know the um the the job was vacant. When I applied for it, I didn't get it. And I then realized to me, the only way for me to move up was to move out. So on the third time of applying for a job and not getting it, I handed my notice and three weeks later I was gone. And I never looked back. For me, my destiny was in my hands. So I knew I had to make it. And I did that. With a five-year-old in tow, you know, so I started my business with what I call a triple whammy. First of all, I'm, in fact, it's probably more, not only am I female, I'm black and a single mother. And then I'm going to start a PR firm. 40 years ago, who knew what PR, you know, was? It wasn't really made popular until, you know, the Blair years. For me, in the black community, there are still so many firsts to be had. You know, I started the first Black-owned PR company. I started the first Black women in business network. I started the first Black radio, legal Black radio station. You know, and there there are many firsts. I was involved in the first Black monthly glossy magazine in the UK. For me, there's still so many firsts within the Black community. It's changed a lot now. Because when I started business, I couldn't find other Black women in business, which was why I started the network. And luckily, I had the access of a radio station at my fingertips. So I was able to promote the network, get a lot more women involved. And it took off from there. But I think right now, as far as Black entrepreneurs are concerned, there's, there's so much more opportunity. Everything. There are no more gatekeepers. You know, I started my business when bank managers still expected you to go to the bank to apply for a loan with a man to sign, to, you know, to to sponsor it or whatever, they to endorse that loan. And that's how I started my business, with £2,500 with my brother's signature on it. You know, 40 years ago, that was still happening. You cannot believe that, you know. That was still happening. But for many Black entrepreneurs, I think right now, there's so many different ways of raising money. We're so much wiser, or the young people, the future leaders, the future entrepreneurs, the future, I know, Microsofts or whatever from the Black community are still waiting to be, you know, to be found or to be born. And everybody has that access now at the click of the fingertip. It does take. Resilience, it takes nerves, it takes vision, it takes determination. All the things that you, I, and Vanessa are doing now, it takes passion. And for me, I think the thing that got me through was my passion. And I say, my passion keeps me up late at night, wakes me up early in the morning, and sleep gets in between. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I love that. So that's a great way of describing it. I think one thing that's very, very encouraging, and, and, and we are a group of female entrepreneurs. I mean, all three of us. And so Vanessa, I'm going to come to you in a second to talk about you know everything you're doing with We Are in City and, and feeding the female pipe But I think there there is something that's very interesting uh, that, that I take away well, since um, the many episodes we've had focusing on race is it feels like the world has shifted in encouragement. And that whereas, you know, we have the, we've had a conversation about Stephen Lawrence for many, many, many decades now. We're, you know, we're still institutional racism. That conversation hasn't gone away. How, how corporate behaviours are discriminating against minority groups that never goes away. What feels like it shifted to me, certainly in the last sort of four to five months is a realisation from the financial services industry that actually they need to step forward and make funding, capital available to support minority entrepreneurs. And uh, while I'm talking, I can see Yvonne nodding, which is is very encouraging. I am mindful. We do need to come into Vanessa in two seconds, but I would love to hear your reaction sort of to that suggestion from me that does it feel like the, the banking world has woken
2: up to their role to provide capital? They have woken up a bit, but they've also moved backwards because I remember probably 20 years ago, most of the banks had a black business banking manager. And there used to be particular, um, and I say most of the banks, I definitely knew with NatWest and HSBC because those are the two banks that I was with. And they always had a manager that specifically looked at black businesses and encouraged black businesses. But also, you know, since Black Lives Matter a lot of the banks are under a lot of pressure because, you know, all these stories are coming out now that most of those banks are built on black blood, black sweat, black tears, you know, from the Bank of England right through to, you know, some of the really big institutions are built on the slave trade, you know, money from the slave trade. So whether it's something they need to think about, From an economic point of view, I mean, there's all sorts of research now, you know, that McKinsey did about having diverse employees. When it's women, I think they're 15 percent more likely to do better than their counterparts. I'm sure I'm getting this all wrong. But um, when it's uh, more diverse from race, it's 35 percent. You know, so it's proven what is stopping them. What is the, you know, what is the blockage? And a lot of and a lot of um, the black entrepreneurs now, I think, are beginning to look more widely at blockchain and other ways of funding their
3: business.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? But I think I think different different models. And and if the the financial services industry can't keep pace, that that we'll find different models. It's wonderful to hear your response to that, actually, because because uh, uh, again, uh, we're always trying to cut through the rhetoric. And what I'm kind of mindful of is that, you know, there's some easy language and easy conversation about how the world is shifting, allegedly, in sport. And to hear your point of view is very important. Thank you so much for Lavon. Thank you for that. So, Vanessa, onto another entrepreneur who woke up one day and said, you know, let's talk about the female pipeline. Feeding the female pipeline, We Are are The City, is is amazing. I, I would love to just talk to us through some of the highlights and things you're focused on in 2020. And then also, what sort of best practice are you seeing in the industry that is now supporting and often looking not only supporting women in their career journeys, but also some of the less appreciated other social groups that we should be paying attention to?
1: So I think the focus in 2020, which was to survive, it goes back to, you know, as a female entrepreneur, we pivoted very quickly. I think it was mid-March. Our first kind of thing was how can we help other people? So we set up these free webinars, We Are Virtual, and it was a pay it forward thing. I put a note out on LinkedIn. You know, We've worked with lots of coaches, lots of speakers over the years at We Are The City's events and said, look, can someone give me an hour to talk about a particular skill set, a feeling, you know, something that would help these people that have all of a sudden been locked down in their homes. And by the Monday, I had 46 responses. So we're on, I think we've done 100 of those webinars now, which are incredible. And they've reached over 30,000 people globally. I think You know, the first thing was, how can we give oxygen to others? Because that's kind of what our community does. And then pivoting the various things that we did. Obviously, we have a big We Are Tech Women arm, so pivoting that. But we've continued in the mindset of innovation. We have to innovate in different ways using tools that we didn't, we've always had, but we didn't realise the value of. So doing things like, you know, our awards virtually, we've launched a podcast ourselves for We Are Tech Women. We've just launched another networking group for women in tech leaders. You know, we've got a mentoring platform that should come into life in 2021. So we survived, but we had to keep pushing forward. And I think it was that busyness that has kind of created even more passion to see this through. I want to be able to talk about what happened last year. Like I refer to Betamax videos or the fact that women couldn't vote. But again, back to my point earlier on, that we've learned a hell of a lot from that. And I think there's lots of that Kind of things that we did and how to, Yvonne's point again, how resilient we were that we can capitalise on in future years because if we've been through that and we've made it through, there's no end to where we could potentially go. So it's been very interesting talking to a number of the women's networks and what they did in 2020 because that again they've had to pivot very quickly to virtual events. They weren't an events company like say me and Yvonne uh, have done events for years so We was able to do that very quickly, but they had to learn new tools. Would their countries be engaged? Uh, Even from a meeting at the end of 2020, where we got all of the networks together, it was resoundingly positive. They said that they'd reached people that wouldn't have otherwise come to the Women's Network events. They'd had more senior leadership engagement. They'd had more male engagement. They'd been able to do more with less. So for them, and, and the great thing about that is, how they take that forward into 2021 and beyond. Because now they've realised from an inclusive perspective how perhaps uninclusive some of these networks were being because all of the events were being run out of London, which don't get me wrong, my home city, you know, a great place to be. But there are people out there in the regions. There are people in other countries. And also when you're designing an event that is incorporating lots of other countries, as as Yvonne will tell you, there's a lot of cultural things that you need to consider. So it's put a big diversity lens on everything they do that wouldn't have otherwise been there. So I think there's been a huge amount of learning from what's gone on in 2021 that we can carry forward. And I also think it's given voices to many because People have put on events that wouldn't have otherwise been brave enough to because of the costs that they'd incur, because of, you know, getting people to attend. Everyone was at home. Everyone's an event manager these days. So we've heard from voices and parts of society that we wouldn't normally have heard from. It's given that entrepreneurs are wider reach, I think, you know, to get their products out there because people are in their space. They're in the room online. We're all online every day. So from that perspective, I think 2021, 2022, we'll see a much different kind of landscape. And again, for an inclusion and diversity perspective, it can only be a good thing if we continue to move some of these initiatives forward. Um,
0: I've heard of you, Vanessa, in other events, sort of talk about sort of purpose-led businesses and and in in the the kind of frame of entrepreneurship and 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 how organizations are or how individuals are setting up businesses as well so i'd love, love to get your thoughts really about you know what are we seeing in terms of purpose led and when we think about social inclusion
1: is that bubbling up as well so i see both women and young men setting up their businesses where there is that underlying purpose of making the world a better place of donating percentages to profits of being you know being aware of the environment and things like that. And I think, and and to Yvonne's point, despite companies having big CSR departments which do great stuff, you know, let's go and build a wall and let's go and paint this and paint that, I think they should actually be taking more of a leaf out of the entrepreneur's book and really seriously looking at their business models to work out how can we be more purpose led and if that means, you know, getting in a room with a bunch of startups and entrepreneurs and seeing what they're doing, I mean, you imagine they're building their businesses from the ground up. They've got a hell of a lot to teach some of these, you know, what we would see is not archaic institutions, but institutions that have been around a year, for years that do what they've always done. So I think, you know, to bring a more purpose-led ethos into some of the businesses that we see, into the financial sector, you know, and to actually... Talk about some of the work that's being done, because one of the things I do find there are some companies that are already doing this, but they don't shout about their successes. And, you know, we know how it works in the city. You know, people get a bit competitive. This is a good thing to get competitive about. So, you know, let's see more kind of purpose led initiatives within businesses. Tap up the entrepreneurs. They clearly know what they're doing. And they're building a society that we all want to live in, in terms of business. Wonderful. I think that's a great moment there to
0: turn
3: to Cynthia for some research to support today's discussion. Women are more vulnerable to COVID-19 related economic effects because of existing gender inequalities. While most people's lives and work have been negatively affected by the crisis, analysis shows that overall women's jobs and livelihoods are more vulnerable to the COVID-19 pandemic. In the July 2020 McKinsey article, COVID-19 and gender equality countering the regressive effects, women's jobs are 1.8 times more vulnerable to the crisis than men's jobs. Women make up 39% of global employment but account for 54% of overall job losses. What is good for gender equality is good for the economy and society as well. The COVID-19 pandemic puts that truth into stark relief and raises critically important choices. Thank you,
0: as always, to Cynthia for that research to support the discussion. And let me just take a few moments to remind everybody how to find Diversity Podcast. Basically, you can find the links to all the research on our website, diversecitypodcast.com. Don't forget that's city with a C, not with an S, where you can find all our episodes and sign up for early notifications of future recordings. Please do follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn and Diversity Podcast is available on Brights Talk and all good podcast channels and by the way we'd love a rating because it does all help to promote the show. So as we go into the last section of the of the podcast, I can't tell you how much I have really, really enjoyed uh, this conversation as well. I mean, not often I get to sit with two amazing entrepreneurs and, and talk about, you know, not only the impact of what's going on with your particular areas, but also what it's like as female entrepreneurs getting up and being resilient and delivering. A couple of things come to mind for me. One of them is about this conversation about corporate empathy. Right now, leaders are having to think differently. Businesses are having to structure differently. And that, that's kind of one piece that that sort of buzzes out of the first part of the conversation. The second is, again, I keep returning to this point about who are we are overlooking, the question of social mobility and social inclusion. So I sort of wonder, Yvonne, if I could come to you first of all, which is, you know, we're at a time when there's so much potential to be had, as you were saying in some of your earlier remarks. Is it really your thoughts about how do we make sure that we are thinking about social inclusion? as an economy, as we go forward
2: in 2021? Um, You know, with entrepreneurs making such a huge contribution to the UK's GDP, it's incumbent not only on the corporates through their CSR, but I've recently coined a new phrase, PSR. And the PSR is personal social responsibility. I think it's, it's incumbent on... Any entrepreneur who's doing well, whether they're doing well or as long as they 've got a business, they can make a contribution towards someone who needs you know a hand up, a leg up, some sort of help, whether it's mentoring, coaching, sponsoring, and just advice or just being there because right now the most helpful thing you can do for most of the entrepreneurs who are on their own is just having a sounding board being there to help them
0: and that's wonderful because actually that's really about citizenship that's about personal responsibility that's about stepping forward as entrepreneurs to support others paying it forward i can't believe how time flies i'd like to finish with a, with a final question i'm asking everybody Because I'm personally deeply concerned that right now, as we are heading into probably one of the toughest economic years ahead, is that diversity and inclusion could fall down the corporate agenda. And I'd love to hear from each of you a compelling reasons why diversity and inclusion must remain high. Vanessa, can I come to you first of all?
1: Well, I would say that any firm that puts inclusion or diversity at the back of their agenda will lose the war on talent. That's the first thing, you know, because, again, people coming into the workplace, they want to join firms that have got that at the heart of who they are. So from my perspective, now is not the time. You know, you you hear mutterings of conversations at the back end of 2020 budgets being cut and it's always in dni and it's always in csr it's known as the fluffy nice to, st- to have stuff and it certainly isn't fluffy and it's certainly definitely stuff that you should have so no cutting budgets now more than ever with what went on in 2020 that we need to focus on the diversity of our people and we will only do that by being inclusive and to see it out,
0: Yvonne, why don't you give us some your compelling
2: reasons why diversity and inclusion matters right now? Well, I think it's all the things that Vanessa has said. I mean, she's you know, she wrapped it up really, really well. But as somebody from a very visibly diverse background, you know, I've I've got the two ticks. So I've got race and I've got gender. And for me, And I can have another tick. I've got age. I'm over 65 now. So I think that there's so much that diverse people and diverse talent can offer to keep this economy going right now, especially as we are with the whole COVID and lockdown. 2021 and 2022 is going to be the time to build. So for us, We need all the help we can get from all corners of race, you know, gender, all the strands of diversity. And as Vanessa said, this is not the time to cut back because there are so many diamonds in the rough out there waiting to contribute.
0: That is just the most wonderfully inspiring way to end the show. I can't tell you how much I've really enjoyed this conversation. But it's always a joy to have you on the show. You are on our second ever episode three years ago talking about We Are The City. I'm a massive supporter of everything you're doing. It's been great not only to hear about how you've been so resilient this year, but also to hear about the incredible impact that you're having. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. And Yvonne, thank you for all your insights. Uh, I can't believe you're over 65. I, I'm, just, I'm just kind of reading at the shock of that. You have energy and vibrancy that, that I hope and aspire, and all the listeners, I hope we can hear and the passion in your voice as well. Thank you for everything that you do and for being such an amazing role model as well. Yvonne, thank you for being with us. Julia, it's been an absolute
2: pleasure pleasure and i want to know why i wasn't asked earlier so i could be on my second round maybe you can invite me back in two years time or three years time but thank you you're doing a great job and i look forward to engaging with you all i hope it's been useful
0: it has indeed and and it won't be the last time we speak for sure i'm certain of that thank you as always to all our listeners who have tuned in to diversity podcast i've been julia streets thank you for listening
2: This episode of Diversity Podcast was produced by me, Kieran Yates, on behalf of Julia Streets Productions. Thanks to Cynthia Akinsenia for her insights. You can find out more about the guests on this week's show on our website, diversitypodcast.com. And that's diversity with a C, not an S. Whilst you're there, you can also sign up to our newsletter for all our latest updates. All our episodes are available in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app. If you enjoy Diversity Podcast, remember to share on social media and give us a rating or review. It really helps promote the show to a wider audience. Finally, our Twitter handle is at DiversityPod. Thanks for listening.